Thank you for listening to the podcasts from Life Central Church. For more information or to visit one of our locations, go to lifecentralchurch.org.uk. Welcome everyone, whether you are here in the room and we're really excited that you're in the room with us or whether you're watching online live or whether you're catching up later. We hope that you're enjoying the weather, the British weather that we're experiencing at the moment. But you're really welcome into this series, uh, which is called Greater Reward. My name is Leon, uh, the lead pastor here at Life Central Church. And you know, this kind of whole theme of this series uh, in the month of June, looking at Greater Reward. Last week, week one, we looked at willpower, why willpower alone won't bring change. And today what we're looking at is this whole thing of how do we win at life? And you know, I thought to myself, you know, I'm I'm a little bit into sport as well. I was at the cricket match on Friday and and like watching the tennis. We're at the final of the uh, French Open today. And of course, the Euros have started uh, this weekend. And of course, all of us that were watching uh, last night, Saturday night, that saw those horrendous scenes with Christian Eriksson, the Danish footballer, needing CPR on the pitch with his wife there. Just so horrendous and moving in our thoughts and prayers with him and the family. And I think the rest of the world watching uh, situations like that. And you know, when you look at sporting uh, events and you look at winning, it's very easy to see how winning is part of sport. But when you come to think about winning at life, it's a little bit more difficult to see it, isn't it? And uh, you know, one of the questions I think if you are into the Euros, and I know not everybody is, is, is it coming home? There was two people in the room that squeaked, yes! Some of you don't even know what coming home is all about. In 1996, a song uh, went out there called Football's Coming Home. 40 years after the last time England won anything, I always know when that is because the last time we won something is the year I was born. It was literally a few days away from when I was born in 1966. And the song said, it's been 40 years of hurt. Now it's been 55 years of hurt. So I don't know how many years of hurt it's going to be. But the question is, are we going to win? And in the reality, when we think about winning, I think this statement is true. Winning is better than not winning, isn't it? Yet you're not quite sure. Like winning is better than not winning. I know that as I say this, some of you are like, because you're not competitive. So you don't want to to do anything competitive because you might not win and so you don't want to try. And I get that. Some of you are ultra competitive. Anyone ultra competitive? Some of you think, I want to get my hand up the first in the room. I want to be the first of my hand up. You're that competitive that you want to try anything and everything if you've got a chance of winning. But here's the thing. Some people's winning is really inspiring. It's like when they won, it was so like unexpected. Like in 2004, when this team won the Euros, Greece, they shouldn't have almost got there. They only got to the tournament on goals scored. They scraped their way through. Nobody knew any of the players. None of you can probably remember any of the players. And yet in the quarterfinals, they beat Spain, uh, France 1-0. Then they beat the Czech Republic 1-0. Then in the final, they're playing the hosts, Portugal, and they win again 1-0. They scraped their way through, but they won. And it's like a David and Goliath story. And then this guy, I love this guy here, Cliff Young. Not a great picture, but Cliff Young in 1981, at the age of 61, he's an Australian sheep farmer and he pitches up at the Sydney to Melbourne ultra marathon. Now an ultra marathon is running from Sydney to Melbourne. It's 544 miles. 
okay? And he rocks up, he's a sheep farmer, he rocks up in his clothes, in his farm clothes. And there's all these other runners in the Nike Adidas stuff and other brands are available as well. And they're all excited, they're all professional. They all start laughing at this guy. He's 61, he's a sheep farmer and he's gonna take part in the ultra marathon. But here's the thing. You see, most of these runners, they ran really hard in the day and they slept in, in the evening. Cliff just ran really slowly, day and night, the whole of the time. It's the classic tortoise and the hare story. And he not only won, but he won by 10 hours. Isn't that amazing? Love that story. And then there's this one, Wilma Rudolph. She was born premature. She was born premature. She was the 20th of 22 children. She had polio. Her legs didn't start to move properly till she was 12. But by the age of 16, in the 1956 Olympics, she gets a bronze in, in sprint. And then four years later, goes back to, to represent America, wins three gold medals, the first woman in history to do that. In her hometown, there are streets named after her. Isn't that inspiring? And then there's this guy that some of you will know, Ian Wright. I love that picture of Ian Wright. You know, brought up by a, 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 his mother and a violent stepfather. Um, played non-league football, had a little bit of time in prison until a guy, a teacher called Sidney Pigden, was the first male in his life to speak affirmation over him and truth over him. And he, and he puts that relationship down to, to, to hit the, the change in his life. And he goes on uh, to, to be a Premier League winner, an FA Cup winner, uh, caps for England and become an Arsenal legend. And when we hear stories like this of winning at sport, it just opens up the idea that actually winning at life has to be more important than winning at sport. The thing is with sport, it's really clear what the win is. Because like you know there's an opponent and you know there's a scoreboard, you know there's a clock, you know there's a goal, you know what the win is. Here's the question when it comes to life. What's the win? If we want to win at life, and I want to suggest that God wants us to win at life, and we'll talk about what that is and what that isn't, we've got to understand what is the win. And, and at life, it's really, really difficult because if we don't define the win, you and I will end up like this guy here, Forrest Gump. Remember that film? Run, Forrest, run. And we'll just end up running aimlessly. Or we'll, we'll end up settling for what I call not goals. In other words, I'm not going to end up like him or I'm not going to end up, and that's not enough. Just to settle for a not goal in life, I think God wants more for us. And whether you're a person of faith or not, whether you're here in the room, whether you're watching online, whether you have faith or not, I think there's something inside of us that says, do you know what? I want to win at life. I want to win at life. What's the win? And here's the question, what is the win for you? Now, if you're not a person of faith, what is the win for you relationally? What is the win for you professionally? What is the win for you physically, emotionally? What about spiritually? You know, what's the win for you? How would you define the win? You know, we, as I watched last night, and my, my wife's a nurse, and, so, and she, she's a lecturer now, trains nurses as well. And, and as we watched um, the CPR happening, and we were both thinking, this looks so terrible, and, and the guy could die you know, in his 20s, in front of like the world with his wife on the side. It was just horrendous. And it just reminds you, doesn't it? We only get one chance at this thing called life. So we only get one chance to do our 20s. What's the win in your 20s? We only get one chance to do our 30s. You only get one chance at your first marriage. 
You only get one chance with your first kid or your second kid. You only get the one chance. What is the win? I remember several years ago, Alison and I talked about, uh, we've been married for 32 years. That was close. 32 years this year. And we thought, like, you know, what is the win for our marriage? And, you know, we have our moments. Uh, what is the win? Is the win for our marriage, we didn't get divorced? Is that it? Or we didn't kill each other? That feels like that could be a win. But actually, we want something more than that. And so we talked some, several years ago that actually the win for our marriage is that we want our love for each other to get stronger the longer our marriage goes on, not the other way around. That's our win. So actually for us, it isn't about, you know, will we never fall out? Yes, we will. Is it, we won't have bad times, of course we will. But is our love for each other growing stronger the longer we're together? Because that's the win that we want for our marriage. You know, the Bible says a lot about winning. Many of you will think that the Bible says it's not, it's not winning, it's taking part that counts. That's, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says a lot about winning. But the Bible says a lot about winning the right race in the right way for the right reasons. Looking at the right kind of scoreboards, defining the right kind of wins. And the Apostle Paul, who was a guy that knew what it was to win, okay, he wrote a lot of the, what we call the New Testament, several of the books in the Bible that make up the Bible. And one of them, he wrote to a, a bunch of people at a place called Corinth, and they were used to sport. So he, because he's so good like this, he used a metaphor that they would understand. And we're going to look at those verses together today. It's in 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. So if you've got a Bible, you can switch it on or you can watch it here on the screen as well. It's 1 Corinthians 9, verse 24 to 27. Paul says this, Don't you realise that in a race, everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. See that? He's like calling something out of people. He's not just saying, hey, everyone runs, so just run along and it'll be fine. No, run to win. All athletes are disciplined in their training. We spoke about this last week. You know about discipline. We'll come on to that in a minute. They do it to win a prize that will fade away. But we do it for an eternal prize. So I run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. And what Paul is doing is he's using a really, really common to the hearer metaphor. He's talking about um, what, what, what happened in the day in Corinth was a thing called the Isthmian Games. They, were, they, were, they happened like the year before and the year after the Olympic Games. They ran for over 700 years. In fact, the Isthmian Games were so famous in that part of the world that everybody knew everything about it. And some of the things that went on in these games, there were chariot races, there were boxing, there was wrestling, there was poetry contests. How exciting is that? Can you imagine that in the Olympic Games? Now poetry contests. And so Paul is using this metaphor to talking about everybody being in this race and everyone running and there being prizes and reward at the end. And he's using that metaphor not to talk about sport, but to talk about life and specifically to talk about faith as well. And he's using the metaphor to implore people to make the most of their one and only life. He's using it to implore people to use the same intensity that you have with sport to how you are with life. Like in sport, you know whether you're winning or not. 
You, there's a scoreboard, there's an end, there's a, there's a goal, there's a prize, you know that. Have that same kind of intensity when it comes to how you live your life. Paul would say to us today, you don't win at life by wishing, hoping or even praying. You've got to do more than that. This is why he talks about discipline and we'll get onto that in a minute. I think Paul is saying, listen, any one of you, okay, you've only got one shot at life. Run to win. But if you are a person of faith, your race has got to be more than just aimlessly meandering your way through this life. It's got to be more than that. And surely if you're a follower of Jesus, what you want to do more than anything is to bring honour and glory and pleasure to God and you want to give back to God the best version of you that you can give to Him. I love what Eleanor Powell, this lady says, what we are is God's gift to us. What we become is our gift to God. So what I wanna do is uh, I wanna speak to you today that if you are a person of faith, this is for you. If you're not a person of faith, I'm gonna invite you today into considering joining this race and running this race of faith that Paul lays out. And I think even if you don't get the faith bit, maybe you think today about, well, what is my win relationally? What do I want my marriage, my relationships to be? What is my win professionally, financially, emotionally, mentally? And then maybe you get onto that question. What about spiritually as well? You know, it's really interesting. Let me just digress from that. It was really interesting to me to watch yesterday and, and go on social media and, and, and everyone talking about Christian Eriksen, this footballer that had dropped down and they didn't know whether he was alive or dead or what was happening. It's amazing how many people who don't believe in God suddenly start talking about prayer, isn't it? Like, like pop stars and politicians and celebrities and everyone's, well, our thoughts and our prayers. And, and I'm thinking, do you believe in God? And I just wonder, but at a moment like that, all of a sudden, life takes on a whole different meaning, doesn't it? And who cares about a football match when this young guy is lying on the floor fighting for his life? And it reminds us all that life is fragile, really fragile. Anyway, I'm going to go back to the note. So I want to give you four keys to winning at the race of faith, okay? And if you're not a person of faith, I want to invite you to take a step into and towards that race today. But if you are, I want to encourage you and challenge you. Some of you, I believe, here in the room, watching online, maybe we've stopped running the race of faith. Maybe it's time to get on the track again. So let me give you four keys. Number one, get started. Just get started. Paul says, you know, don't you realise that in a race, everyone runs. But actually, the word that he uses for run isn't just like running. It means to make progress. It means to advance. It's not aimless running like Forrest Gump. It's purposeful running. And so maybe he would say to some of us, hey, get started. Maybe you haven't begun this race of faith yet. Or you have, but you've just stopped running. And you're kind of existing, but you're not really running in such a way as to win the prize. You see, faith will never ever develop by choice, by chance rather. It will always only develop by choice. It won't just happen. People think that I can just grow in my faith just by chance. That won't ever happen. It's always by choice. You've got to get started. You've got to get running. Have you started running the race with God? 
And you know, if you don't have faith today, okay, and you might be here in the room or online, you don't have to have all the questions answered before you get on the track. Don't think that before I get on this track and run this race of faith, I've got to understand everything about it and answer every question. No, you haven't. You've just got to be willing to say, I'm in, and you've just got to start. So get started is the first thing. But secondly, get clarity, get clarity. Be crystal clear. God says, don't just run the race, run to win. Run to win. And Paul doesn't say run to finish. He doesn't say run to take part. He doesn't say run to make up the numbers. Do you know what I mean? He says run to win. Don't rationalise rationalise away the joy of honouring God with your best. I was um, brought up in um, a particular denomination of church, and, uh, which I'm very grateful for, for my background and, and my roots and all of that. But, but some of the hymns that we used to sing when I was a kid was, were always a little bit confusing to me, if I'm honest. And, and one of them that was confusing to me was, was, a, was a hymn called Anything for Jesus. And I understood and I understand the, the, the sentiment of that. But I think growing up, I think what I heard was, oh, well, anything for Jesus. It's like, don't matter, does it? Just like anything, any old stuff, you know. Oh yeah, it's just, it's just for Jesus. But when I consider how much God has done for me in sending His one and only Son, Jesus, to live a perfect life and to die a horrendous death so that I could be forgiven of my sins and have a relationship with God that doesn't just last now, but lasts for eternity. How can anything for Jesus be good enough? Surely it's got to be the best that I can give. And I want to invite you today to get clarity on running to win. Jesus didn't say, go into all the world and be mediocre. Or go into all the world and sleep in. He said, go into all the world and watch over the planet and steward it well. And invite people into a relationship with God. And especially those who are on the edges of society. And those who are the most poor. And those who are the most marginalised. And those who are the most victimised. And those who are the most ostracised. And bring them in and restore this perfect creation. And be about the restoration of this creation that I initiated. That's what he said to us. That's the win. It's being the very best that we can and being in the mission fully. He never said, go into all the world and be half-hearted or just enjoy your life and, and don't give a rip about everybody else. But when I look at people who don't just run their race for themselves, but run it for others, I think you're running in such a way as to win the prize. And I think Paul would then go on to say, get perspective. Because he talks about, he says, listen to these other runs, they do it to win a prize that will fade away. You know, but we do it for an eternal prize. And that, and that word prize, it means awarded to, vic, to a victor. But the root word is, is like the root word for umpire. It's like the ultimate VAR, if you, if you know what I'm talking about. It's like actually when it goes to VAR, it goes somewhere else for the, for the assessment of whether you've won the prize or not. You know, and the ultimate VAR is God that says, hey, I'm looking at what's really going on here. And I think God would say, hey, I look, Steve, at what was really going on all those years of faithful service, investing into children's lives. And who knows the eternity that's been invested into kids. And what would have happened in the Isthmian Games is that they'd have run for one of these, like a laurel reef. And Paul says, but this, because this is going to fade away. 
Do you know what I mean? Like, like you get this when you're on the lectern there, you know, when you're on the kind of, you, you know, the, the winning thing and you think, oh, that's great. Look at what I've won for. But that's going to fade away. And you see, if we run life in such a way that we beat others, I think that's like one of them. It's like, just, is that it? If we, if we run in such a way that we get more than everybody else, I think God would say, that's just like one of them. If we run in such a way that we prove something to somebody else or to ourselves, I think that's just like one of them. I think that's just like empty, meaningless, and it's just gonna fade away. But when you run in such a way as to win the ultimate prize, which is to hear like Paul talks about later on, and we're gonna talk about this next week, because he's running in such a way as to hear these words from God, from Jesus himself. Well done, good and faithful servant. You ran the race, you fought the fight, you kept the faith. That's not one of those. That isn't going to fade away. That's a prize that lasts for eternity. And when you run to win, those closest to you get to win also. But when you run your race in such a way that actually you end up losing the people closest to you, then they get to lose as well. And we need to get some perspective. And next week, guys, I want to encourage you. I'm going to speak next week about what happens one minute after we die. One minute after we die, what happens? And we're going to talk a little bit about heaven and about reward and the afterlife and all of that. And we don't talk about that very often, but I just really feel that we need to do that right now. And you know, when you do start thinking about that and you start thinking about our life is so short in the light of eternity, isn't it? It's tiny, even if it's a long life. Do you know what I mean? It's tiny and eternity is endless. And Paul says, get some perspective. You know, Alison and I have talked about this recently, you know, even with things like houses and cars and, and things like that. And that's all real and it's all good and, and that's brilliant. But do you know what? Everything you own will one day be owned by somebody else. You do know that, don't you? Everything you have. And it's like life is like the ultimate monopoly game. At the end of it all, it all goes back in the box. It really does. And so the only thing that's worth it is stuff that's going to last forever. And that's character and that's legacy and that's investment and that's becoming more of the person that God has created you to be and living that way with your one and only life. You know, I was just staggered uh, just this last week or so just to hear some stories coming back of, you know, people in the church that have helped people, um, uh, you know, uh, um, uh, with, with furniture in their homes and uh, and someone who knocked on the door of somebody who uh, to deliver some food to them and then as they opened the door, realised that, that actually just the day before, this person had an incredibly horrible tragedy in their life and then there's one of our people standing at their door offering help. And I look at that and I think, life is so difficult and so fragile and we get the chance to run it in such a way that we can bring something of hope and help into the lives of other people in the name of Jesus. Get some perspective, guys. Don't live your life for that. Live your life for that. Paul says, run in such a way as to win. They do it to win a prize that fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. So get started. Some of you, you're not started yet. Get started. Get clarity. Let's run to win. Thirdly, get perspective. And then fourth thing, I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. Get training. Get training. Uh, Paul says, so I run with purpose in every step. So because of the perspective and the clarity, I'm going to run with purpose in every step. I'm not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete 
training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. A little bit of language, okay? Uh, not bad language, just the Greek language, okay? The word that he uses for discipline is agon- agonizomai, which, which it means striving and contending and straining. And, and, and obviously, we get the word agony from it. So Paul says, there's something in this way that I'm living my life, which is actually like agonizing because there's, there's, some, there's some discipline here and discipline isn't easy. But he says that. But then when he says, I'm training my body to do what it should, again, that, that word there or the phrase is doulogogio, which is uh, the root word of it is the word doulos, which, which literally means slave. Now, slavery in our context is horrendous. But you've got to understand slavery in Paul's day had a very different meaning, okay? And um, that word doulos is a word, is a common word that Paul uses to describe how he views his life in relationship to his relationship to God. And, and he says, so, so I'm, I'm a slave of God. And he uses the word doulos. But it doesn't mean what we think it means, okay? In the context of the day, if you go way back into the Old Testament, a doulos, a bondservant, was someone who was in slavery to a master but then was set free by the master. And the master said, right, now you can go free. But what would happen occasionally is that someone would say, but I don't want to. I so love you and I so want to honour you and I so want to serve you that I don't want to be set free. I want to be your doulos. Not because I have to, but because I want to, because I choose to. It's my response out of love for who you are. And what would happen is that one of these, uh, they would take them to a door and they would pierce their ear um, uh, to the door as a sign of, of this whole deal. So it's a really powerful image. And that's the root word that Paul is using when he says, I do what I do in such a way because of who I love. Because it's who I love. I love Jesus so much. I love God so much because of what He's done for me that I'm not just going to be aimless. I'm not just going to run half-heartedly. I'm not just going to make up the numbers. I'm going to run my life and my faith race in such a way as to win because of what he has done for me. I love this. And, and you know, when you're an, if you're an athlete, and of course, looking at me, you know that I'm not, you understand the difference between trying and training. That Mo Farah, that famous runner, he says, don't dream of winning, train for it. And I want to show you something, okay? Um, it's Craig Rochelle and Life Church that gave this series to us. And so some of these thoughts are theirs. I want to honour that. But some of them are mine as well. And I want to mix a little bit of it up here. You see, there's a difference between trying and training. Just come to the screen with me. You see, many of us in our Christian life, we talked about this last week, we just think that it's about trying harder. And remember last week, we looked at the cycle of shame. I'm bad, therefore I try hard. It doesn't work. I feel guilty and shame-filled and it all goes again. But then actually the cycle of change doesn't start from the place of I'm bad. It starts from the place of identity. I am who God says I am. So out of that, I'm not trying hard. I'm training into who I already am. Does that make sense? So here's some of the differences. Trying is minimal effort. Training is total commitment. So if you're a follower of Jesus, trying is minimal effort. Training is total commitment. Like it's not a club. Like church is not a club. Like this isn't like a club that we come to. This is a life because Jesus laid down His life for us. We don't want to try at this thing. We want to train from who we are, from our sense of identity. Trying is dependent on feelings. Training is dependent on a prize. 
You know, I, I, I have some bad feelings a lot of the time. I have some feelings like God isn't close to me. I have some feelings like I don't want to do this anymore. I get that. But that's when I'm trying. But training isn't dependent on feelings. It's dependent on a prize. I, I, I'm not doing this thing because of my feelings. It's because there's something bigger and eternal. Trying gives up when it gets hard. Training understands hard is what counts. It's like if it's not hard, it's not worth it. That's trying and training. Trying is a hopeful experiment. Training is a dedicated resolve. Trying is haphazard and inconsistent. Training is a regime and consistent. In fact, Craig Rochelle um, somewhere else says that successful people do consistently what other people do occasionally. And when it comes to your spiritual life, consistently, even when you don't feel like it, is way better than inconsistently. It just is. Trying is haphazard. Training is a regime. And finally, trying is hoping to become what I'm not. Training is getting better at what and who I am. And I think Paul's saying, hey, if you're, if you're in this race, if you responded to Jesus and you're in, on the track, then, then you are a son of God. You are a child of God. That's who you are. Training is just bringing out a better version of who you are. Trying is you trying to be what you're not. Training is becoming who God says you are. Paul didn't say to his young assistant, Timothy, try yourself to be godly. He said, train yourself to be godly. Training means I do what I can do today to enable me to do what I can't do tomorrow. And hey, if you're not a person of faith, this is relevant in every part. You wanna run a marathon tomorrow, you need to be able to run a mile today. You wanna get out of debt tomorrow, stop buying Starbucks all the time today. You wanna get a better spiritual life tomorrow, open your Bible today. Training is doing what I can do today to enable me to do what I can't do tomorrow. Choose what we want most over what we want now. That's greater reward. That's a greater reward professionally. It's a greater reward relationally. It's a greater reward financially. It's a greater reward spiritually. And it's the one that Jesus invites us into. And you know, as we, as we close, what, what happens for many of us in the race I think is summed up in this one verse that Paul writes in another one of his letters in Galatians. And it's this, he says, you were running a good race. Who cut in on you to keep you from obeying the truth? Just hold that for a minute. And I just wonder how many of us in this room or watching online, that this is true of you. You were running a good race, the race of faith. You were focused you were, you were disciplined. You, were, you weren't trying, you were training. You were running a good race. Someone or something cut in on you and now you're not running that race. Oh yeah, you're existing and you still believe in Jesus, but you're not running the race. You're not on the track. You haven't got the clarity. You haven't got the perspective. You're not really training. And for Paul, he uses the word disqualified and it means failing to pass the test. It means unapproved. It means counterfeit. And he said, I don't want to run this race in such a way that at the end of it all, I'm going to be disqualified. But you know, it's not just disqualification that cuts in on you. For some of us, it's disappointment. For some of us, it's defeat. For some of us, it's the death of somebody close to us. I think we've all been a little bit more aware, haven't we, about life and death over this last year or so with the COVID epidemic and pandemic 
And I know there's people in our church who've lost people close to them through this season. I've got friends all around the world. I've got one of my pastor friends in India. Every week, every week I get a message from him with a photograph of someone else that's died, that's close to him. Whether it's a pastor friend or a graduate of a Bible college. And I've looked at a few of these photographs and I've thought, I know you. I know you. I'll spend time with you. And it's just heartbreaking. But you know what can happen sometimes when there's a death of someone is that it can, that can cut in on you and you can stop running the race out of disappointment and out of almost despair. Maybe for some of you, it's a distraction. You were running the race really well, but then something else came, you know, oh, shiny thing. Or, or maybe a few of these came along your way. Do you know what I mean? And before you knew where you were, you were chasing that rather than running the race. And I want to invite you back into the race today. Who cut in on you? What cut in on you? You were running a really good race. So for some of us, it's just that slip. It's just that hurt. It's just that pain. So I want to invite you back in to the race today. I want to invite you to let those who've run before and those who are running now, let them into your life. One of the best ways to get back in the race of faith is to open up your life to other people and to be inspired by those who run before, but also to be encouraged by those who can run alongside you. But the other way, and this is absolutely life-changing, is by inviting God by His Spirit to help you, to help you. In 1992, uh, this is iconic now, and I've used this before, many of you have seen this before, but it's so worth watching again. In 1992, our hopes for 400 metres at the Olympics we're resting on the head and shoulders of Derek Redmond. And in the semi-final, it was all looking good. And as the gun went, he went off and he's doing really well. And then you're going to see it in a moment. He pulls a hamstring in the back of his right leg and he hits the ground. And all the other runners go and finish the race. And, and he gets up and the pain, and the pain on his face because he's not going to quit. He's not going to quit even though he knows that, 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 that this, is, this is gone, Okay. And he keeps running. And then there's a, a big guy that kind of pushes through the crowd and, and pushes through the security and comes and puts his arm around Derek Redmond. And that's Jim Redmond, Derek's father. And even though people come and try and pull him away, you can see him saying, get away, get away. I'm his dad, I'm his dad. And he puts his arm around him and he says, if you're going to finish the race, I'm going to finish it with you. And together they cross the line. That's such a brilliant picture, not just of a sporting moment, but about what God does for you and for me. He doesn't stay distant in the stands, he gets down onto the track. And if you're hurting today, and if you stop running the race today, or if something has come in and cut in on you, your God doesn't just stay on the stands, he heads down to the track to help you to run again. Hebrews chapter 12 talks about um, the fact that we're in a race. And it says, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, you know, those that have run before us and you know let, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us and then it says and consider Jesus because he ran that race as well he endured such opposition from sinful men so that you would not grow weary and lose heart and it talks about for the joy set before him he ran his race and I love those verses because it just reminds me that we don't have to run this race on our own, guys. We just don't. God doesn't just stay out in the stands cheering us on or shouting at us. He comes onto the track as well. And maybe for you right now, 
Maybe someone or something has cut in on you and you were running a good race and you really were, but now you're not. And you know you're not. And maybe today you want to just acknowledge that and just invite Him again to come. And just like Jim did, you know, just like his father did for Derek to put his arm around you and to encourage you and breathe life into you again. So here in the room, Maybe just close our eyes for a moment. Maybe if you're watching online as well. And I just want to just invite you right now. If that's you and you say, hey, that's me. Yeah, I believe in God, but I, I'm, I've, I've just stopped running the race and I want to run it again. Then I want you just to put your hand up right where you are. If there's anybody here in the room, you just put your hand up in the air. Maybe if you're watching online as well, just find a way to acknowledge Him. And I want to pray for you today. Thank you, Jesus. Father, I want to pray for every single one of us here in this room, those watching online. God, maybe some of us are, we identify with Derek Redman. We, we've hit the track. We've pulled a hamstring, as it, as it were, spiritually or in our life. And we know something, someone cut in on us. But Lord, today, we want to say, we want to run the race again. And we want to run to win. And God, would you come? God, I pray for healing. I pray for restoration. I pray for life. I pray for encouragement. Jesus, I pray that you would come and you would breathe life into us again. In Jesus' name. And if you're watching online, maybe here in the room as well, we would love to pray with you and for you. There's a, a link coming up on the screen now and you can, uh, it's, it'll be out there in the chat as well on Facebook and on YouTube. And we, you could just fill that in, go to our website. We'd love to pray for you. It's been our honour and privilege to pray for so many people over this past 15 months or so. And we would love to do that. You know, guys, as we, as we come draw to a close, we want to invite you to stand if you're in the room. Why don't you stand with me? Uh, and if you're watching online, you can stand if you want, if it's safe to do that or not, uh, just whatever's comfortable for you. But you know, we're going to sing a song together or we're going to sing, the band are going to sing a song and you're going to worship Jesus with this song. And this is a song that really just tells a little bit of the story of how Jesus ran His race at the end and, and how He ran His race at the end and how He didn't let even death itself stop him from the prize that was ahead. And when it says in Hebrews, who for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. We're gonna talk about that next week. The joy set before him. And the ultimate joy for Jesus was you and me in relationship. That's why he kept going. And I don't know about you, but when I think about myself and I think about my own faith journey, there's nothing that inspires me to run the race more than what Jesus has already done for me. Not because I have to, but because I want to in response to what He has already done for me. The only thing I wanna do is just to lift my hands and say, praise the Name. Thank you, Jesus, that you never quit running the race. Because if you had, I wouldn't get to know you right now. But because you kept running, this is the prize. His prize is not the laurel wreath that fades away. His prize is relationship with every single one of us. What a reason to celebrate. So we're going to spend the rest of our time together in celebration. Let's do it.